From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The Miami Heat are known to be consistently a team of effort. Tremendous effort. What do you do when you just got beat at home in Game 3 of the NBA Finals, in part because you were out-efforted? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, uh, we know that Jimmy Butler never minces words. We know that Jimmy Butler is going to call it like it is. He was asked in the press conference after the game, I want you to, I want you to hear this. This is what he said, how it went down, asking about their lack of effort. You mentioned the effort. Why do you think it was so lacking tonight? I don't know. I can't answer that. Maybe, you know, we're at home. We think we did something. I don't know. It just can't happen. It won't happen again. And it starts with myself. Um, you know, I got to lock in on a defensive end. I got to go up and, and, and get loose balls. So um, I think if I start playing and doing that, then everybody else has to follow suit. Ooh, I hear you, Jimmy. You right. You better get right on that defensive end because Jamal Murray had a damn 34-point triple-double. And if you're asking me, he is your responsibility. Jamal Murray is your responsibility, Jimmy Butler. But also, there were times where I seen Jimmy get out-hustled. There were balls that he could have got that he normally gets that he didn't get in that game. And I also think it was, you know, the Miami Heat were able to go to Denver and steal one of those games on their home court. So, you know, sometimes you may feel yourself a little bit or you may let your guard down. And they came out in game three and got blitzed. I mean, blitz by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. But we can't have it both ways when we when we talk about certain things with the Heat because uh, playoff Jimmy Butler and Heat culture are two things that if it was a shot game, everybody would be dead at this point, the number of alcohol, the amount of alcohol you drank, right? Like, last night, we saw neither in that sense because you're right. Jimmy Butler came uh, – Jimmy Butler – not Jimmy Butler. Jamal Murray, as we expected, came out just firing, right? Like, he came out on all cylinders. And what I thought was interesting is that – he came out with a pace. It was a don't let them get set. I'm just going to explode into the lane and force them to stop me. We, we saw them run with that pace early on. I think it made a huge difference early on in that game. And Jimmy Butler just wasn't there to match that energy. Jamal Murray was out there being the aggressive one. Jamal Murray was playing like Jimmy Butler played in game two. It was the Nuggets that were the one out there hustling and diving all over the floor and getting it done everywhere they looked. Like That's one of those moments that it felt like the Heat just, it felt like the Nuggets looked at the Heat and said, anything you can do, I can do better, and they did. And I will say this, though, Fitz, and this is not a knock on the Miami Heat. I just don't think they have the talent that the Denver Nuggets have to be able to have nights where their effort is being over-efforted by the opposing team, in which this is the Denver Nuggets. I don't think they're at a point, uh, like roster-wise, where they can afford nights like that because we know the Miami Heat as – you know, making the hustle plays, getting the loose balls, getting the offensive rebounds. Kyle Lowry knocking Jeff Green out of the way, getting that loose ball. The next thing you know, Duncan Robinson hits a three. We know the Miami Heat as being that team. So when you don't see that in a game three of the NBA Finals, it's not game three of the first round. And even if it was, it's still the playoffs. This is the NBA Finals. So how do you not come out? Just like we were talking about the Denver Nuggets in game two. How do you not come out? 
with the right amount of effort in the NBA Finals. Especially when you think about how Spo works and the consistent way that the Heat approach everything. And then you think about the Nuggets. The Nuggets out-rebounded the Heat. This is not a misspeak. 58-33, to all right? You think about that. The Nuggets scored 60 points in the paint. 60 points. That tells you just out, like, from the outset, the Nuggets came in with a crash blitz mentality, right? They were going to do everything they could to force their way to the rim. You mentioned yesterday one key you were looking for was aggressiveness that got you to the free throw line. What did we see from Jamal Murray? Aggressiveness that got you to the free throw line. Got the, there eight times. The most surprising part about that, Harry, is that it was, I mean, it was apparent in the first 10 minutes that was the Nuggets' plan, right? Miami didn't have a counterpunch for it. Yep, and I'll say this, though, two fits. Because you, you, you spoke about the Denver Nuggets and, you know, the point difference in the paint. Well, the Denver Nuggets only shot 18 threes to Miami's 35. Miami only made 11. The Denver Nuggets were intentional about going into the paint and scoring in those regards. And remember I mentioned yesterday, it's not like the Miami Heat have a, has a, a rim protector. So if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm taking that thing to the rack as much as possible. They don't have a guy that just, you know, you're going driving to the lane. You're going to say, man, my shot has to be altered or it's a potentially could be blocked. They don't have a guy like that. They just don't. The other just amazing part, and again, it speaks to how easy Jokic makes everything look. Miami shot 3-19 when contested by Jokic, either as primary or help defender. 1-10 for Bam Adebayo. I mean, while Jokic is out here making scoring look easy, making shooters rolls like how did he make that shot makes it look easy, makes getting that rebound look easy, makes playground park passes look easy, right? He also turned around and made defense look easy because you didn't watch the game necessarily and feel like it was LeBron where, where you see LeBron sprint all the way down the court and you get this huge block. It wasn't that. It was just being in the right place, having his hands up, and disrupting every single shot. Miami didn't have an answer for that. And that, again, comes down to the little fire that was lit under the asses of the heat by Mike Malone. Like, head coach Mike Malone of the Nuggets gets a lot of scrutiny for the way he talks to everybody. But, man, it worked because they came out and did all the things at the rim that Miami tried to do in Game 2. They did all the things in attacking that Miami did in Game 2. They did everything we expected in get from Game 2. They did in Game 3. And now they sit here with the 2-1 to one lead. And what's stunning, Harry, is that just a couple of days, like this series after one game was, it's going to be a blowout. After two games, it was, my God, you can't count Miami out. Now you can realistically look at it. The more we get more concept proof of concept in this, like, Okay, uh, they, they've dominated yet again. So, you know, they've dominated two and a half out of the three games, and they lead two games to one. Well, and I'll say, when you look at this Miami team, it kind of hurt them that Gabe Vincent got in foul trouble, right? Because mm. he's been that, that third guy or that guy that they can count on from sco- like scoring, like to the point of where they're running things through him because of his long-range ability, because he can score in the half court. But when you have early foul trouble and you got to sit down and then now you only have seven points in that game, that hurts the Miami Heat. And I'll tell you another thing that hurts them, when you have another starter and Max Struess goes one for seven and only has three points in that ball game, like you're a starter, man. Like seven, three, three points? That's, that's unacceptable. Yeah, and, and, and at home. Like, I'll, I'll forgive it, like, hey, had a hard time getting a feel for the rims in Denver. Altitude was an issue. Like, there are so many walking excuses we look to make when a team struggles to shoot on the road. 
But when you talk about the poor shooting there and you talk about the fact that Butler and Adebayo each missed 10 or more shots in the paint in the same playoff game for the second time this postseason, like that is absolutely awful. That's only the second time in history we've seen that. Like that is it's stunning because that's not what's supposed to happen from Jimmy Butler. That's not what's supposed to happen from the Heat. And it's sure as hell not what's supposed to happen at home. Yeah, you can't discredit the size of Denver either, right? And it's funny because Michael Porter Jr., how tall do you think Michael Porter Jr. is? Fixed? I don't know. How tall Without is looking, he? Just guess, just guess, just guess. I have no idea. Like, uh, he, it doesn't feel like he's abnormally tall, is he? How he's tall is he? He's 6'10". Is he 6'10"? 6'10". Uh, uh, think about how crazy that is. I wouldn't have guessed six. I mean, <laughs> the, the amount of uh, the amount of size. You're right. I, I don't think of it as being a disruptive Michael Porter. I don't think of being a disruptive at six ten. And my God, I, he is. You're right. That makes a huge difference. And this becomes the now the thing that Miami's going to have to readjust to. Right. Like the key to this series now all comes in because look, we talked about why. I didn't think game three was a must win. Uh, game four at this point, if you're Miami, is about as close to a must win as you could possibly get. We'll spend all day tomorrow breaking it down. But realistically, if you're Miami, you better figure out some answers right now for the fact that you couldn't shoot well enough. You better figure out some answers right now for why you didn't finish at the rim. And you better figure out some answers right now on how you're going to slow down a dynamic duo that is doing historic things. Well, I got one last one for you. You better figure out how to get back to you know doing things the heat way. Figure out you better figure out how to heat, and I ain't talking about the sun that's down there in Miami bringing the heat. I'm talking about you as a basketball team, as an organization. It, it, it was missing last night from Miami, and it was missing in part because Denver hit on absolutely every possible cylinder through the course of that game. Kudos to them; they're up two games to one. Game four coverage Friday, 7:30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family is well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, your laptops, and more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends like Annabelle with pet health insurance. Coming up, a team with Super Bowl expectations finishing last in their division? Whew. An expert explains why that's actually possible next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. in the spring. They've changed some of the blocking scheme. The conversations not only to myself and Dak, they got to be consistent all the way through the offensive coordinator, consistent all the way through the quarterback because when you do get mixed signals there, that's where potential you know, errors can occur. Now it's time to take over and, and really do it your way. Again, as we all acknowledge that if you don't get it done, Jerry Jones is going to move on. He loves you. He loves what you've done for this organization, but he's not in the family program. When you break the, down the fandom represented on this show, if you had asked me 24 hours ago which teams would be most likely to be picked to finish last in their division, my beloved Raiders wouldn't surprise me. Harry's Falcons, it wouldn't shock me. Devin's Giants, okay, maybe I could make the argument that there's a reason for it. Evan's Jets, 
Bill Barnwell is trying to create a battle on this show. It's Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Uh, Bill Barnwell joins us now on the Bill Barnwell Show. And uh, look, Bill, I want this. I want this to happen because, frankly, I want to see Evan squirm every single week on this show as a Super Jets fan. But explain to the world why you think the Jets could actually finish last in their own division. It doesn't seem that crazy to me. It's not like I'm saying the Chiefs are going to finish last or that the Eagles are going to finish last. Jets were in last last season a year ago. And yes, they added Aaron Rodgers, and that's going to make them better. No question there. But this is a team that went, I believe, 2-8 and eight against teams who were using their starting quarterback last year. I think the defense, very good, no question but a little inflated by playing a lot of games against backup quarterbacks last season. Kind of inflated their numbers a bit. Um, They were the healthiest defense in football last year. I think that's a legitimate uh, concern. They're not going to be as healthy, most likely, in 2023. The offensive line has concerns, especially at tackle. Aaron Rodgers has to develop a relationship with his new receivers, the guys who are in there, Randall Cobb and... um, Alan Lazard, when one of those guys or both those guys are on the field last year, Alan, or Aaron Rodgers' QBR was 25 points worse. The offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, well, we just saw him basically run Russell Wilson into the ground last year. Uh, no guarantees he's going to be competent at his job. Uh, you know, as a Jets offensive coordinator, he's been bad as an OC or a play caller everywhere else he's been as a coach. And I think the Patriots are going to be better because I think they have a competent offensive coach after basically kind of throwing Mac Jones out there to do stuff on his own last year. So, again, I don't think that they're going to be terrible. I think they're going to be like an eight-win team, but eight wins might be last place in the AFC East. Bill, I just, I just, don't, see, I just don't see that because we're talking about a That's team fine. that lost a few games because they didn't have competent play at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. So who they were playing against were basically playing against, you know, backup quarterbacks in my eyes. No quarterback for the New York Jets last season completed over 60% of their passes. Mm-hmm. Not one of them. And then they lost a lot of close games. Also, with that and the offense not being on point, that allows the defense to be on the field a lot more. So mm-hmm. I would actually give the, that defense a lot more credit because they're probably on the football field more than they actually should be. And I just think with the arrival of Aaron Rodgers, if the Jets would have got Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay last year, I believe they would have made the playoffs. And I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be that guy moving forward because he has a chip on his shoulder. He did have that thumb injury. But you just can't discredit, in my eyes, a guy in back-to-back seasons who threw for 85 touchdowns and nine interceptions and think they just fought, mm-hmm. fell off a cliff. That's my only thing. No, 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 for sure. No question. And I think if you're projecting Aaron Rodgers to be a scrub, that's not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is still a good quarterback, even though he did take a, a major step backwards last year. But he's also not, probably not going to be the MVP. I think one of my concerns with Rodgers is not that he's going to be bad. It's not that he's going to show up and not know how to throw the football. But there is going to be an adjustment period. I mean, I look at Devontae Adams, superstar receiver, um, a guy who developed this incredible, you know, sort of natural, uh, you know, link with Rodgers. It took him five years to post a 1,000-yard season with Aaron Rodgers. And some of that was injury. Um, but, you know, it, it took him a while to be that guy with Aaron Rodgers. It took time for that relationship to blossom. They don't have time in New York. Like, Garrett Wilson is a phenomenal talent. He was the offensive rookie of the year last year for a reason. 
And the idea of him linking up with Aaron Rodgers is really exciting, but there's also a significant sense that they're not on the same page early in the season, that Rodgers is frustrated with Wilson. He has a long track record of, you know, kind of having a, a middling, sour relationships with his young receivers before they prove to him, hey, I'm up to this task. And Garrett Wilson has all the talent in the world. Aaron Rodgers is still plenty talented, but is the play caller going to put them in the right situations to succeed? Uh, you know, are, are they going to play? Are they going to run the ball very well if Bruce Hall is not healthy to start the season, which, you know, we're not sure yet whether Bruce Hall is going to be 100% to start the year as he's recovering from a torn ACL. Um, you know, I, I think those are all legitimate concerns. So I, certainly, you know, it's not like it's hard for me to imagine the case where the Jets are good. Of course, the Jets could be good. There's no question. But this is a tough division. It's not like, you know, we're, we're picking the, the Texans to finish ahead of the Jets. This could be a division where four teams are competing for the playoffs into December, and I think that's likely given how talented all four of these teams are. So the only pushback I would have on this, so Bill Barnwell joining us, uh, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, I think New England's going to suck this year. What am I missing about the Patriots? Like, I'm just saying it out loud. Like, I get Bill, but but if, if, we, don't, if we don't say the words Bill Belichick, uh, the rest of it doesn't look anywhere near as good as the rest of the division. Uh, okay. Okay. As long as you don't talk about the greatest coach who ever lived. I mean, if I don't say Aaron Rodgers, Jets are going to be terrible, but Aaron Rodgers is there. That helps. Bill Belichick helps, right? Like, he's a, at the very least, even if you think maybe he's made some questionable offensive decisions over the past couple of years with his coaching staff, he's a great defensive coach. The Patriots defense has been impeccable year after year. They score more points than anybody else in football over the past four years on a drive-by-drive basis, to Harry's point about um, you know, the Jets defense being forced into situations. The Patriots defense was forced to play a lot of snaps last year, and they played very, very well. I think they were in the top five right alongside the Jets in terms of points per possession uh, allowed. And, and I just think, you know, we talk about the Zach Wilson upgrade to Aaron Rodgers, and it's okay. Well, Zach Wilson was, I don't want to be mean, incompetent is, is probably fair to say about Zach Wilson. I don't want to be rude, but he was not up to the task of being an NFL quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, no question he's going to be. That that coaching staff was abysmal last year in New England. And going from guys in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge who are not qualified to be NFL offensive coaches and NFL offensive play callers, to Bill O'Brien, who was a good head coach in Houston, not a great general manager, I think it's fair to say, but good head coach, and he's certainly a solid play caller, both in, in Houston when he called plays and in New England when he was there as well. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a major upgrade for Mac Jones. So to me, I think, you know, sort of discounting the Patriots and saying, well, they're going to be terrible, like, I, I, I have faith that they've made improvements too. They're just not as conspicuous maybe as Aaron Rodgers. There's a Hall of Famers being added to their roster. Okay, let's move to the NFC, and I want to focus on the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys. Who has more pressure, Bill? Is it Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy? Mm, well, do you know how this goes, right? Like, there's a hierarchy for when people are, are being scapegoated for for an offense, not living up to expectations, which I'll point out the Cowboys are a very good offense. They just haven't been good in the postseason the past couple of years, but it starts with the OC, right? So Kellen Moore is out the door now. That might be a move where they look back a year from now and regret it. He could be a great OC in, in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert. Almost said San Diego. It did not. Uh, <laughs> in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert, that could be a, you know, Justin Herbert could be an MVP candidate this year. Kellen Moore could be a head coaching candidate this year, not out of the realm of possibility. If the OC leaves and that doesn't change things, then it's the head coach. The head coach makes more money than the OC. He does not make as much as the quarterback. 
So unless the quarterback's playing really poorly, which I don't think Dak is going to do, but pressures on Mike McCarthy because he's the next one out the door if things don't go well. And from McCarthy's perspective, you can understand making the move, right? If you're going to get fired, better for you to get fired when you're calling the plays and it's your vision of what an NFL offense is going to be. I understand it from McCarthy's perspective. But if it doesn't work out, you know, Dak has a couple years left in his deal. They could decide to move on from Dak, but this is the same organization, and I don't want to pick on Fitz. They wanted to draft Connor Cook ahead of Dak Prescott a couple of years ago. They wanted to draft Paxton Lynch a, a couple of years ago. They settled for Dak Prescott. He was their third choice at quarterback in that draft. And they, instead of landing guys who were out of the league, they landed a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. So you're the Cowboys. Do you really want to go back into the market? Do you think you're going to have a better job finding a head coaching candidate or finding a new quarterback? To me, I think easier for the Cowboys to find a head coach than it's going to be to find a replacement for Dak Prescott. Yeah, the Connor Cook uh, cut. That that one was a deep one. It, it, that one cut deep, and it was real. <laughs> Bill, always appreciate your time. Somehow we ran out of time before I could ask you why the Raiders are going to shock the world and make the playoffs. Uh, well, maybe next time we'll get to that. Uh, as always, Bill, appreciate Ooh, stone your Stone him. You know, uh, just, just let me live. Just let me have a little joy for a minute, Bill. I don't need logic on this one yet. Uh, appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you, guys. Bill Barnwell of the Bill Barnwell Show. Uh, Be sure to check it out. Always doing great work. Uh, Coming up, are we watching the greatest performance in NBA Finals history? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. At a bio, halfway down the lane, missed the jumper. Jokic, 20 rebounds in game three. Murray's going to drive, takes two defenders, flips it high off the glass and gets it to go. There's the triple-double for Jamal Murray. Got the rebound with five seconds to go. First time in NBA history, two players, same team with a triple-double, and the Nuggets get home court advantage right back. They beat the Heat to go up two games to one in the finals. The phrase historic is overused in sports, but what we're seeing right now from the Nuggets is actually that. Not just last night with Jokic and Murray becoming the first teammates in NBA history, regular season or playoffs, with a 30-point triple-double in the same game, but just the realization that right now, Jokic leads the NBA in points this postseason, leads the NBA in rebounds this postseason, leads the NBA in assists this postseason. He'd be the first player in NBA history to lead in those three categories for a full postseason if it were to happen. That shows you that history is happening. And it also shows you I still don't know how to speak. What the hell? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Harry's brother played in the NBA. Harry grew up around basketball. He's got a gym named after him. Our next guest played in the NBA. What the hell do I? I'm 5'9". I play the violin. We're going to get Kendrick Perkins in here. Perk, ESPN NBA analyst extraordinaire. Uh, Just give me your sense, man, from all the years you spent in the league. When you watch Jokic, how do you react to it? No, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reaction. Seriously, no, he didn't. So, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, player to the point where, you know, it's throwing any shade about his athleticism, okay? But he's not a 40-inch uh, vertical. He he doesn't have a 40-inch vertical. But 
when you look at Jokic and you look at his skill offensively, forget the passing, putting the ball in the bucket, being able to get to his spots, his handles, uh, being able to, to to be aware what size what uh, what size uh, defender he has on him, and every shot he takes. I believe is going in. Hell, it is going in. Whether that's in the paint, his jump hook, whether that's a turnaround, whether that's stretching it out to the three-point line, any shot that he takes, I feel like is going in. No matter the degree of difficulty or whatever, it is a, a joy to see from just being a, a, a pure basketball fan and a basketball junkie. Forget a guy that played in the league, but just watching it, it's like, this is amazing. So, Park, I got to ask you, man, because you played down in that low post on that block. And there's a lot of times I see guys guarding Jokic. They're more athletic than Jokic is. But the way he uses his body to get his shot off, when you're watching him, what do you see in that capacity, the way Jokic uses his body to get his shot off over defenders who might be more athletic than him? Well, well one, is his craftiness. Two, is his footwork. And three, it's his control on his crab dribble. Like, that's what I – people don't realize how hard that is, right, to to be able to back somebody down, uh, you know, take up space, hit them with your shoulder, and then all of a sudden go into your move or into your shot, go into your shot with and, and be on balance. And even if he's off balance a little bit, he still, he still has enough IQ to be able to give you enough shoulder or enough body just to get his shot off. That's all he care about is is creating enough space just to get his shot off. And when I see that, I'm like, man, for years I always tried to work on my game where I just had a counter. Like everybody knew Perk wanted a right-hand jump hook. That's the only move that I actually had on the low block. But to see everything and to see how he's able to react on the fly, man, that is beyond special. And I and I didn't battle against some you know, all-time greats when it when it comes down to Shaq and even KG at practice or when KG was in Minnesota, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Antonio McDyke. Y'all mean, like, I didn't have my share of battles, but I, I've never seen nothing to that nature when it comes down to Jokic. And, and you know the crazy thing about it is that he never gets tired. We don't yep. give enough credit on how – He's in great shape. He never gets tired. That's amazing, man. It's amazing. So, Seriously. But stick there for a second because, Perk, like, I think this is really interesting. Like, Steph, the way Steph plays changed the game, right? Like, kids in gyms started trying to replicate it, and now the, the entire basketball world looks different. That's the Steph Curry impact. Is there some world where big men are going to start trying to have handles and pass like this? Like, is, are, are we going to see a whole group of future Jokic's in 10 years? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Hell, I got one in my household that mimic his game like Jokic, my 11-year-old son. But the the great thing about Jokic is that he never forgets that he's a center that has guard skills. So no matter how much we're amazed with what he's able to do on the perimeter and his passing, he makes sure to remind us that he's a center first. But a lot of kids, especially seven-footers, need to stop being wanting to be Kevin Durant and start valuing being what Jokic is doing. Like, I Ooh. think, you know, KD, KD, you look at KD being seven foot, you look at Braun being 6'9", even before them, you look at Tracy McGrady being 6'9", 6'10", 
they changed the game for us big guards on the perimeter, right, and big wing players. I think now seven-footers need to embrace actually being a center. Like, he's a true center with guard skills, and I love that out of him. Well, Perk, let me say this. Cause you know, I, I can get messy at times now, Perk. Like, is, <laughs> is that a little sub, <laughs> subliminal message at, at, at Joel Embiid? You know, I can get messy on here if you want to, Perk. No, go ahead. You know, hey, look, let me tell you something. Harris, that's what I'm asking you. Is, uh, is that a little message look, to Joel Embiid? No, no. I just think that's just Jokic being a beautiful basketball player, uh, to be honest with you. Even, like, think about this. Even when he was asked about Jokic, I mean, Joel Embiid winning the MVP, he wasn't sarcastic. He wasn't – it wasn't him trying to be funny or arrogant. He was like, nah, he deserves it. He's a hell of a player. And he meant that. I think it's just Jokic being Jokic. Like, he's just a hell of a basketball player. And he don't have to post the, – the great thing about him is that he's not even on social media. So we don't get an opportunity to see – what he's doing behind the scenes. We don't get a chance to see his off-season workouts. And that's the great thing. The only thing that we're able to see about Jokic is that every single season he comes back better. Perk, as always, man, we you know how much we appreciate your friendship, how much we appreciate you coming on. Know your slam. Love your insights, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate right. you. Appreciate y'all. Kendrick right. Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, coming on. Uh, with us. Don't forget Game 4, Nuggets Heat. Nuggets lead this series two games to one. The pivotal Game 4 coverage begins tomorrow, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Coming up, Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi might not be the only star football player taking his talents to South Beach. Just when you thought the sports gods couldn't kiss Miami anymore, oh, they are. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. For a team like Miami, if you can find a way to add him, to your point, you have to be more disciplined running the ball. And you don't just get a running back. This isn't a Chris Paul where he's not as good. You're getting a superstar right now that can come in, contribute, and help you when you realize, as the Dolphins should, that their Super Bowl window is right now, Harry. Like, this absolutely can, it continues to emphasize my point that I believe the, the Dolphins feel like they are in Super Bowl now opportunity. Three hours later. I think we can all agree it's clear at this point the Miami Dolphins are going to lose the Super Bowl. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Hear me out. The Marlins are in second place, right? We mentioned yesterday Lionel Messi takes the second chapter of his career into uh, his talents at South Beach. We all know at this point the Florida Panthers are going to lose the Stanley Cup final to my Vegas Golden Knights, right? And the Heat are set to lose the NBA Finals to Denver. I've got all this predicted out. Well, now, not only did we get the news today from Adam Schefter that Dalvin Cook is going to be released by the Vikings if a trade can't be worked out today, we also have Instagram chiming in. As Dalvin Cook put a story up on his Instagram of him in a Vikings jersey 
celebrating at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. I'm telling you, he's letting the world know that he intends to play for the Miami Dolphins. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. It continues the trend. And that, the only thing I can make of it, Harry, since all of these other teams are losing in championship rounds, is that that means the Dolphins are going to lose in the Super Bowl. But all seriousness, uh, <laughs> it does mean the Dolphins right now look to be the front runner to add one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. Yeah, that will be a phenomenal addition to their offense, especially a run game that I would say it wasn't I won't say it wasn't efficient it just didn't get in, it just didn't get called on a consistent basis from Mike McDaniel now if you add a piece like Dalvin Cook to the mix I think it forces him as a head coach as a play caller calling the plays for the Dolphins to make sure he is consistent in doing so also we had a little patch last year or the Dolphins did rather um, where teams took away the middle of the football field they started to figure things out a little bit I believe if the run game is valuable and consistent, it will force teams to not be able to do that. Because a lot of that pass game, that Shanahan offense, is predicated off, number one, the run game, but also the play-action game that comes off of the run game being so successful. So if that gets going, now those linebackers and, 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 and players on defense, they have to suck up. Because the number one thing defensive coordinators preach all the time is that we got to stop the run. I understand it's a passing lead, but when you, you got to stop the run. Because if you can't stop the run, you're vulnerable to all other kind of things on a football field. But you know, as well as anybody, better than anybody, that if the approach is going to be to stack the box to stop the run, all you are doing is basically saying, Dear Tyreek Hill, please score whenever you would like. Sincerely, the rest of the league. Like, the, they, there is no way that you can stack the box against this particular offense when they have the receivers they have, right? So, Oh, no, no, no. no. But, but here's the thing, though, Fitz, and I'll tell you, defensive players and coordinators, they would rather be able to stop the run. They, they don't want to get hit for 250 yards rushing or 300 yards rushing. That's demoralizing. Uh, totally, 100%. You're a, th- you're a thousand percent right. This is just the damned if you do process that yep. do- the Dolphins are now going to present to everybody else. It's why we continue to say, like, uh, you know, as much as we talk about MVP candidates and, and where we are on Burrow and Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Allen and all of these other big name quarterbacks, uh, the, the Miami Dolphins have a very simple, if two is healthy, I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. If two is healthy with Dalvin Cook, I mean, that, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know if you're playing the Dolphins how you shut this offense down because you will get beat at every level from every different side, and all of it is going to be speed. All of it's going to require guys that can cover. All of it's going to require guys that can run. Not every defense, not any defense, is going to be able to stop this many track stars. Oh, on top of the misdirection, on top of the motion or the, or the, the jet motions that's coming across the field, you send Tyreek Hill on a jet speed sweep motion. As a defensive player, your antennas have to go up. And sometimes, you know, coaches preach don't bite the cheese, don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Well, hell, if that's Tyreek Hill running that damn jet sweep motion, it's hard not to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Yeah, uh, that's one of the reasons last year I loved watching Dolphins games because the pre-snap motion, just in and of itself, just watching guys run around before the snap of the ball is exciting because you have no idea what it means and it just 
it trips everybody up. Remember that Ravens game where Baltimore just gave up a boatload of points quickly to this Dolphins team because eventually they got confused. I, I think the Dolphins have the opportunity. If they are able to secure Dalvin Cook, it changes everything. Speaking of of news, not just Dalvin Cook, but across the NBA, did want to get you updated. This just broke in the last couple of minutes. Uh, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Heat guard Tyler Hero has not been cleared to play in the NBA Finals. He continues to recover from a broken right hand. Coach Eric Spolstra said Thursday, Spolstra said after the workout today that Hero is going through all the necessary steps, but he hasn't been able to clear the final hurdle with Game 4 scheduled for Friday night. I will remind everybody that we were talking to Jason Jackson yesterday and he said that uh, Hero's hand was broken badly enough that his knuckles were inside his palm, so I'm not surprised to see that he still hasn't been cleared, and that phrase still gives me the heebie-jeebies here. Yeah, and it's, and it's just shooting hand, right? So yeah. if you're having that pain when you're following through on your shot, and every time you catch the ball, and you got to think about this, when you're on the basketball court and you have the ball in your hand and defenders know that you're coming off a hand injury, I'm swiping at that ball as much as possible. Mm. And I'm trying to hit that hand, not, not to be a dirty player, it's just that, hey, I want to see if you recover from it. Now, I, I think we have to clarify that, too, you said, that's not a dirty play at all. No. If somebody comes out and you know they're hurt, you got to test it. you got to see if they're capable. You're not trying to re-injure them. You're trying to test and see how healthy they are. There's a big difference. Well, what, what did LeBron do when, when he knew um, Andrew Wiggins had that rib injury? Yeah, he, 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 he took it to him, did he? Put it, dropped his shoulder a little there bit. There you go. You know, you just you assert your dominance physically just a little bit to figure out where that other person is. You, you got to test them, and I ain't talking about no Scantron like we used to take back in the day on tests. Oh, I do remember those Scantron. Like, Hated them Scantron uh, tests. Hated them. Number two pencils. Uh, so, uh. again, Tyler Hero has not been cleared to play for Friday night. The Heat, at this point, will have to plan on trying to even this series up tomorrow night. Again, coverage begins 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio tomorrow night. You can hear all of the action right there. You can continue to hear all of the setup you need for though today Canty and Carlin going to come up next as always we appreciate you hanging out I will take this moment just to remind you Vegas Florida tonight oh going to get one step closer to Lord Stanley's Cup it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app you've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast you can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio and you can watch on the ESPN app 